And uh, thank you, Minister Will, for sharing in the reading. We are in, Coloss in Joshua chapter 1. And uh, if you would rest your eyes on verse 6. Well, actually, I'm going to start at the beginning. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given it to you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that we can trust in you. We thank you that we are on the battlefield. We thank you that we can treat everybody right. And we also thank you for the privilege of surrendering all to you. And now, oh God, accept our worship. Cause us to have ears to hear what the Spirit of God has to say to his church today. We pray this in the matchless name of Jesus in the church that amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of you are familiar with the movie Men of Honor, one of my favorites. Uh, it is based on the true story of Master Chief Petty Officer Carl Maxey Bershear. He became the first African-American master diver in the United States Navy. He originally tried at age 17 to join the Army, but they rejected him. Later that year, with an eighth grade education, he was able to enlist voluntarily in the United States Navy. As he was working on the ship, he observed divers going into, putting on their diving suit and going into the ocean, and instantly felt an inspiration that said, this is what I allowed you to join the Navy to do. And so he wrote to the Navy diving school asking for admission. He wrote more than 100 times before he was actually admitted in 1954. Gooding played the part of Master Bershears, while Robert De Niro starred in the role of Master Chief Leslie Sunday. Uh, he was well known as an avowed racist. And he made everybody aware of the fact that there would never be a black man to graduate from diving school under his command. And so he did every dirty trick available to him even to the point of almost killing Officer Bashir to prevent him from becoming a master diver. In spite of all of these obstacles, Officer Bashir overcame them because he was determined and he was tough. Sometimes you just have to have some backbone. Sometimes you have to be steadfast, unmovable, unwilling to be deterred. In spite of his commitment to get his ranking as the first 
and he wasn't thinking first black. He was just wanting, he wanted, he believed he was called to be a master diver. And some of the things that they salvaged was things like uh, bombs, uh, atomic bomb fragments. They were going to the water, so that's a special calling, y'all. But the story takes a tragic turn. Uh, while Officer Bashir was giving instruction to some of the crewmen, uh, a metal pipe was somehow uh, released. And uh, to protect his men from being killed, he pushed them away, but was unable to move completely away. And the pipe basically destroyed his left leg. This is a picture of uh, Captain Bashir's son, Philip and him in his officer's uh, uh, uniform. And at some point, he gave them permission to amputate the left leg up to the knee. And uh, he was given orders to basically discharge from the Navy, but he didn't want to discharge because he was still working towards getting that level of credential, and that would be the master diver, which he ultimately earned in 1970, with a prosthetic leg that he said that often when he would run, after running, the stump would be completely filled with blood from the stump that collided with the, with the, prosthetic, with the prosthetic, prosthetic leg. And he said, instead of going to the medics, because if he had done that, they would have written him up and forced him out of the Navy, he would simply go somewhere privately and soak the, knee, the leg, the stump, in salt and water. And the very next day, he would be on the track, on the field, running again. He was the first, not only African American, to receive the Master Divers uh, Commission. He's also the first person in the Navy who was ever allowed to continue their career with an artificial limb. One of the tests that he had to take, he had to put on a diving uniform that weighed 300 pounds. You remember the story, some of you watched it. He had to take 12 steps. And part of his preparation was that uh, in getting ready to, to wear this, uh, this heavy suit that you would use to go into the water, he would put a weights on his back with a prosthetic leg, and he would climb daily, gaining strength in his legs and his arms so that he could ultimately pass the test. And so he did. He passed the test. He became the first and only master diver uh, in, the, in the US Navy and the first and only naval officer who was allowed, and, and not just officer, but naval who was able to continue his career 12 additional years military. He was able to do it because he believed that God was on his side, that God had called him. And he said, since God was on his side, quitting was not an option. It was not even in his mind that he because he was on a divine assignment. Now, as significant as that is, that, the rarity of that type of toughness, a deeper dive into officers Bashir's lives, we, we, we see privately he was not as successful. He married three times, divorced three times. He had three children with his first wife that he didn't get an opportunity to raise. In the latter part of his military career, he turned to alcohol and became, ultimately overcame but in spite of his toughness in the workplace, he was very weak and compromised away from that assignment. Isn't it interesting how we can be, in different contexts, extremely determined, extremely committed, but in other venues, we find ourselves very compromised and weak? Some of the most who lead other men outside of their home find it, find it impossible 
to gain the strength and the courage to stand up to their own wives and to lead their own children. There are brilliant women who have started companies, leading companies, uh, directing their staff, but they spend their private time on the internet searching for dates and trusting the opportunity to meet the people that they're in, interacting with online based on their profile. And so they go out with these men, and some, in many instances, end up getting emotionally involved, sexually involved, only to be in a revolving door of abusive and hurtful relationships. It, it, it's amazing how you can be successful and tough and, and, and have all kinds of fortitude in one arena, but extremely, extremely weak and without, without any kind of integrity in your private life. What about the parents who are actually intimidated by their children? Parents who want their children to like them, who want them to be thought of as cool and their friends. And all their children have to do is act like they're going to embarrass the parent or, or, or do something to besmirch the name of the family, and the parent will kowtow, will, will crumble under that pressure, while at the same time that parent in other areas of their life exhibit extreme discipline. I want you to know that while we may never encounter some of the, the, the things that Bashir went through and many people uniquely go through, we all to have some backbone, to be willing to stand up for the Lord. To be willing to be counted. The Lord said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. And what I've discovered in the church today, we had a lot of folks who will stand for hours and days to get into a concert, pay thousands of dollars, even dress like the, the person that's going to be performing. 90 years old, dressing like, uh, who's, the, who's the person that was just, who was her name? Taylor Swift, amen, got all kinds of paraphernalia, spent all the Lord's money buying her, 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 her items on for, that were on sale, but we can't get up to go to church. We won't open up our Bibles. We won't let anybody know that we're Christian away from church. I want you to know that it's time, church, to toughen up. It's time for us to be counted, counted. For the Lord. Somebody say, I'm on the Lord's side. side. Now, I want you to understand as we turn our attention to Joshua chapter 1, that the Lord has a lot to say about toughness, about backbone, about contending for the faith, and about letting the world know that you are really on the Lord's side. Uh, In fact, in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9, the scripture says, resist him, resist the devil, and stand firm in your faith. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, Lay aside every besetting weight that clings to you so that you can run with endurance the race that is set before you, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher. But that word endurance means to be tough, to to stick with it, to don't back down, to, to don't have in your vocabulary that I'm quitting Endure, run the race that has been set before you with endurance. In James chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Blessed is a man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them who love him. And so it says, Endurance, have some backbone, have some stick to it. Be those that are part of the number that have some toughness. I wonder if you have some toughness. I wonder if you are. Allow the devil to steal your lunch, spiritually speaking, keeping you from growing. First, Second Timothy chapter three, we, we read, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier for Christ. You cannot truly follow Christ as a weakling. That's why Jesus says you must take up your cross to follow me. Salvation is free. Following Christ as a disciple will cost you. Vision will cost you. Your destiny will cost you. In order to have what it takes to experience all that the Lord has promised to us, 
You need to have some toughness spiritually. You need to have some toughness spiritually. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. I want you to turn your attention to Joshua chapter 1. And there are three things that are shared with us in Joshua chapter 1 about the, the importance of being, of being tough. What's interesting is the idea of being tough comes from the, the three times when the Lord says, he says in verse 6, be strong and courageous. He's saying being tough, be tough spiritually. Then he says it again in verse 7, be strong and courageous. Actually, he says, be strong, be strong and very courageous in verse 7. And then in verse 9, he says it again, be strong and courageous and be not afraid. But the important thing is to understand whenever God repeats himself, it's not because he is at a lack of that he's limited in his vocabulary. He is repeating himself three times for emphasis. He wants us to get it. He wants us to understand that we need to be strong. We need to be tough. We need to grow spiritually. Somebody say amen. amen. Be strong. Be courageous. Now, there are three reasons why we need to be strong. We need to be tough or toughen up to put our past in the past. In order to get over what has happened to you in the past, you got to be tough. Shares that in verses 1 and 2. And then he shares in verses uh, 3 through 6 that we need to be tough in order to receive God's future promises. God makes promises, but in order for you to experience them, to realize them, for them to become true, you've got to have some spiritual toughness. We know that the enemy comes to kill and steal and destroy that which God has promised. And the third thing, we need to be tough in verses 7 through 9 in order to apply the word of God in the present to experience his presence. To experience his presence. I, I'm, I'm going to give up on this. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Toughen up to put the past in the past. Listen to our verses one and two. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun. And he said, Moses uh, he said, spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses, who was Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Say, arise. arise. I didn't hear you. Say, arise. arise. Amen, amen, amen. You must toughen up to deal with your past pain. There are two things that I want to share with you out of those verses. First thing is that things that happen to us, happen to us can cause great pain. And in order to grow from our pain, we need to be willing to change. To grow from your pain, you need to be willing to change. Now, notice he said, my servant, Moses, is dead. That was a traumatic experience for the nation of Israel. Moses had led the nation out of the bondage of Egypt for 40 years. He was the only pastor they knew. He was a great servant leader, but now Moses is dead. Someone has described trauma as an emotional response to a terrible life-altering experience. It is a terrible life-altering experience. And when you have those kinds of experiences, you are having a traumatic experience. A terrible, life-altering experience. Someone like Moses in your life, a parent, a spouse, they die. Doesn't matter how they die, the fact that they died, your help meet. The two that became one, somebody died. That causes trauma. Maybe you've encountered a divorce that you didn't want, and you're single, and, and, and you're in a lifestyle that you never asked for, and that experience 
can cause great pain. Maybe you've broken up with a friend, a significant other, somebody you've been dating, somebody you've been seeing. Maybe you were sexually abused by somebody your parents trusted to take care of you. Maybe you've been physically abused. Maybe you walked in on friends talking about you in very painful ways. Those kinds of things that happen in our past can cause trauma. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. This must be a great sermon. Somebody say amen. Now, there are at least three different levels that we can experience trauma on. There's what's called the acute level of trauma, and that's sudden. That's something that happens in the moment. That's something that cuts you deeply because it was, it was unexpected. You're shocked. You're hurt. You're devastated. And, and in that moment, you are, you are so stunned and you're so hurt that you're traumatized, and, and the pain is intense. But it doesn't last. It's acute trauma. Then there's what's called chronic trauma. It, and chronic trauma is something that is repetitive. It, it is not something that you feel on an acute level. It's not intense. It doesn't hurt the way it did uh, when you first heard it. But something, you walk in a room, you hear something, you see something, and you're triggered. And now you're feeling that pain. But the pain that you feel, the pain that you feel is not as strong and as acute as acute trauma is. And then there's what's called complicated trauma. And that's when you have been hurt on multiple levels. Somebody died. You lost your job. You were diagnosed with a, an, some kind of illness. So you've got multiple things happening. And because of the level and the, 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 the diverse, diversity of the pain that you've been going through, now you're, you're experiencing what is called complicated trauma. And when we experience complicated trauma, it's usually something that we're not going to be able to deal with on our own. Now, what made this experience of Moses' death so difficult is that not only did their only pastor die, but we learn in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 5 and 6, and I don't want you to miss this, the Bible says, and Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. Watch this. He buried him in Moab in the valley opposite of Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. So Moses died. The people are traumatized, but they don't get to bury him nor do they know where his grave is, so they can't even visit the grave site. Now, there's a reason why God did that. And if you study in 1 Kings, what the people would have done, they would have made Moses' tomb a shrine. They would have been worshiping at the tomb of Moses. So God hid the body of Moses. But the experience of not being able to know where the, the person that they love was even buried, somebody dying tragically in a fire or an explosion, and you can't even find their body parts, that's traumatic. But the danger is that we all are going to go through those types of experiences in our life. My servant Moses had died. There are going to be Moseses in your life that die. I want you to know when you trust somebody and they violate you, something inside of you dies. It's called trust. And it's hard to trust and to make yourself vulnerable and remove the defenses when you have been violated, when you have been hurt. When the person that you love walked out, when the person that you thought was going to marry you married somebody else, that's traumatic. And so if we are going to be tough, we need to move past the things that people have done to us. Because when we don't move past what has happened to us that was out of our control and not necessarily because of what we did, those things can continue to hold us and keep us from moving forward. I wonder today if there's some things that have died in your life that still are inflicting pain. I wonder if there's some things that have happened to you 
that, that are so easily triggered that you find yourself in tears and you don't know why you're crying. You find yourself enraged and you don't even understand why am I angry? Why am I upset? Why do I, why, why can't I trust? Why won't I, why am I taking the same baggage into my new relationship that was true in my old relationship? I want you to know to move forward into the present, you have to learn how to be tough about what the past. You've got to overcome your past. You've got to be strong and very courageous to move forward. You must be willing to acknowledge what has happened to you. But what happened to you doesn't have to control you. What has happened to you does not have to diminish the plans of God for your life. Somebody say, my, my servant Moses had died. But arise, arise. This is not the end. Moses had died, but my vision for my people hasn't died. My destiny for you has not died. My purpose for you has not changed. So he says, now, therefore, you arise. You go over to the Jordan. You with all these people to the land that I am giving them. God will use your pain to cause us to change. Sometimes the only reason we're going to ever do be different is that the shoe is too tight. It don't look right on you. Everybody done told you. Maybe you look like you got, you know, something wrong with your leg. But you like the shoe. Amen. Everybody told you to take off that, you know, whatever. Let me be, you know, there's some stuff that until it's painful, you won't change. Somebody said, until the pain of remaining the same becomes greater than pain to, 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 to change, you will not change. God will use the things that have happened to you to elevate you, to be, to be your launching pad. They were just, you didn't understand it, but God was clearing a way for you to go higher than you ever would have gone if you hadn't experienced what you went through. Moses, my servant, has died. I know it hurt. I know you miss him. I know you wish it had not occurred. But I'm going to use what has happened to you to show you that it really is true that I cause all things to work together for the good of them who love me and who are called according to my purpose. God wants us to change. Arise, Joshua. You are my change element. Arise, arise, arise. Now, why do we struggle with change? One of the reasons we struggle with change is that we fear losing control of the known. Change is not what we used to. It's not what we expected. And and so it's always funny to me, uh, our first response to change is often panic and resistance. We can't do that. I don't know when. We just, we just automatically assume that we're going to fail. We convince ourselves that it's going to be too hard. And so we have a hard time with change because we are afraid of losing control. We want to be in control. We want to know where our seat is before we get to church. <laughs> Amen. I remember I was watching uh, Dr. Vaughn. Every Sunday she was somewhere else. Okay, okay. Praise God. Now, I'm not telling anybody they shouldn't have a, a comfortable place. You can have a comfortable place. But if we reverse this, would you still feel like the Holy Ghost could move? Amen. If the pulpit was down on the floor, pastor came in some shorts and some sandals. Could you look past my legs? Oh, God. <laughs> In the spirit realm. <laughs> so the fear of losing control of the, uh, 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 of the known, we, 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 what we know. Uh, the comfortable, the, we, the reason why we struggle with change is the comfort of our routine is threatened. We're comfortable with routine. Anytime something is moved, you know, and I... I, I, I I, I, I read about a pastor, uh, the, the con he was hired, and the, the congregation was excited, and the elders and the deacons, they were told everybody in the city, packed that house, and for three months, he was the greatest pastor in the world. And one Sunday, the uh, members came to church, and they noticed that he had moved the piano from one side of the church to the other side of the church. That next Sunday, the congregation and the leadership was asking for his resignation. And the reason he was asked to resign is because he moved the piano that had been on the left side of the church for 75 years. 
How dare you change what we are used to? How dare you change what grandma, aunt Sally decided 75 years ago? So about three years later, he decided to revisit the church to see how things were going. And he noticed that the church that he moved from the left side to the right side that cost him his job was still on the right side. So he asked the, he asked the current pastor, how were you able to move that piano from the left side to the right side when it cost me my job? He said, one inch at a time. We get upset when our routine, where's my coffee? Why the line so long? What you mean you don't have chicken? You Kentucky fried. <laughs> so the comfort of our routine is threatened when there's, when there's change. We don't like sudden surprises. We want, we want to feel prepared. We want to feel like we had some input. God ain't waiting for our input. Thank you, Jesus. I, I remember when Jesus was going, the, uh, the, the, uh, the centurion uh, said, my daughter is dying, and, and she's, she doesn't have much time to live. And Jesus said, I will come, and I will, I'll, I'll, I'll deal with your daughter. And so he's on his way. This is the, pro the program was. He's on his way to, to deal with Darius' Dari, uh, daughter. And so as he's on his way, there's a woman who interrupts the program by grabbing the hem of Jesus' garment, and she instantly gets healed from 12 years of, 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 of an infirmity of a blood issue, and, 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 and Jesus stops everything. And he says, somebody touched me. Now, I don't think the, the, the centurion wasn't happy about that because the delay made him late to get to his daughter. But he understood that Jesus didn't have to ride. All he had to do is speak a word. I want you to know I want to be surprised by God. I, I don't want to have God figured out. I want to come to church every Sunday wondering, what is God going to do this Sunday? How is God going to break out this Sunday? What new praise is God going to give me this Sunday? What new word am I going to receive from the Lord this Sunday? How is God going to break up foul ground in my life this Sunday? What new thing is God going to do? I will not quench the spirit of God. We dislike sudden surprise. We want to be informed. We will try. But Holy Spirit, have your way. Here's another reason why we have an issue with change. Change feels different from what we used to. I'm used to the old remote. I'm used to the VCR age. I had so many cassettes. Who would have ever thought that blockbusters would go out of business? That was our routine Friday family adventure. We would go there and get our popcorn and our Twizzlers and hope no one got the movie. We always get the old movie that everybody had seen 10 times. But guess what? They're out of business because they didn't recognize that things change and you can't be comfortable with what you used to. I decided to surprise my wife with a different type of gift one birthday and I got her an iPad. This is a long time ago. She said, why do you buy me this? Why are you buy me this? Now she, she didn't wasn't unhappy or mad. She just questioned because electronic things were not, was not her thing. Now I got to decide, you know, is it me or the iPad? Which one? Which one is it, babe? You know, who you really love? <laughs> Who do you really love? She won't separate from that iPad. My God. I, the Lord put something in my spirit. I, I, when people, when sometimes the Lord will tell me to give somebody something. No, don't do that, please. I don't want you. No, no. God told me to do this. It doesn't feel right. And most of the people who it doesn't feel right to are the very people who are always giving to others. But they have a hard time receiving. It don't have to feel right. Change will not feel right when it's God. Because God is not interested in how you feel about what he's doing. He is interested in us being obedient to what he wants us to do when he brings about the change. 
Here's a final thing, and I'm sure this is not the only thing concerning this is we're concerned about our abilities. If if it if it changes, will, will I be able to do it? One of the most intimidating experiences I have is when we travel, we gotta go to the airport, oh God. You got to get your credit card out. You got to go through the kioshes. You got to put all your information in there. The line keeps swelling every time I get something wrong. I'll pay for Brandon to go with us just to take care of the technology part of it. The older we get, the more afraid we are about change. We, we just want it to remain the same because if it changes too quickly, we'll get left out. I remember there's a time I was proud that I didn't have a cell phone. I was proud I didn't know how to do a computer. But without a computer and a cell phone, you don't have a job. And so you don't have to feel good about it. If God, the Bible says, I will never allow you to be tempted above that which you're able to bear. I'm going to raise up the Joshua's in your life that will lead you across the Jordan. The Jordan may be your text. The Jordan may be your cell phone. The Jordan may be that computer. Don't be proud that you don't know how to understand the computer. You've got a working brain. I don't care how old you are. You can learn how to use a computer. Anything that's not changing is dead. I wonder this morning, are you alive? Somebody say amen. Joshua, arise, my servant Moses is dead. You've got to deal with the pain of that loss. But I'm going to use that pain to allow you to change so you can get to where Moses couldn't take the people. The places that God wants to take you, but if you're not willing to change, you will never get there. Here's what the Bible says about change. The first thing we need to understand about change is God never changes. Say that with me. God never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. God's word, it never changes. He said, for truly I tell you, heaven and earth will disappear, but not one small letter, not the least stroke of a pen by any means will disappear from the law until all is accomplished. God's word will never change. But God's methods for reaching people change according to the need. Paul said, I become all things to every man that I might reach some for Jesus. The scripture says, in past times, I have reached the world through the prophets and through the priests and through animal sacrifices. But in these last days, I have raised up my son, Jesus. The methods of God, the church, the church that will not change, the church that will determine that we're going back to pre-pandemic days is the church that's going to die. The doors will close. I was just reading uh, that 45% of many of the people that went to church before have chosen that they're going to watch church from home. They don't plan to come back. That don't mean we don't ask them to come back. That doesn't mean that we don't open the doors. That doesn't mean that there's nothing, there's something special about coming together. But if we ignore the fact that that's some of the everybody that we want to reach, like Paul says, we're going to get the methods as good as we can so people can see Jesus wherever they are. Somebody say amen. We were away on vacation, hundreds of miles away at church. I was watching my church. Yes, I was. I was praising the Lord, standing up, reading the scriptures, just like y'all was reading the scriptures, because I had the opportunity through technology. Methods change. God expects and demands that we are constantly changing. He said that we, he says, for this reason, make every effort to add to your faith. We need to be changing. Husbands and wives, don't become boring. You got her, you got him, but don't be boring. Marriage doesn't have to be boring. You can, you can do something different with your hair. You can do something different with how you put that plate out there. Husbands can do something different. About where, and I, you know, Elder Gray is a connoisseur of all the restaurants and everything. 
He's a, he's a renaissance man. He really is. I admire this guy. will go anywhere, try anything. And in the Lord. Amen. Amen. Until he started talking about fire. <laughs> Jazz concerts. We got to put some spice in our relationships. Oh, I'm going to do everything I can to get her and get him, and then you get married and you become a total bore. God expects us to change. We have been created to be conformed into the image of Jesus. Now, here's a question that we need to ask when change comes, when the Lord says to Joshua, he said this to Joshua, arise and go and lead this people to, to, to over the Jordan. He said that to Joshua privately. Here's the question you ask, is this a God thing? That's the question. I don't know. I'll change. It can't be a God. No. The question, is this a God thing? How do you know? Does it violate the scriptures? If it doesn't violate the scriptures and it, and, and it can be used to move the people and purposes of God forward, then we have to be willing to adapt. Somebody say amen. 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 Let me run on. Is this a God thing? What is God trying to change in life? How are you going to put the past in the past by dealing with the hurt that people have inflicted upon you or things that you, by your own choices, are suffering the consequences from? You need to change. You need to change. Turn from the dead thing. Moses has died. We're going to honor Moses. We'll always remember him. But God has raised up a Gen Z. God has raised up a Joshua generation. Somebody say amen. Let me move on. Now, you must toughen up. This is really important. We may not get any further than this. You must toughen up to receive the promises of God for your future. We got to deal with the past pain by changing, but we got to toughen up in order to experience God's future promises. He says to Joshua, every place that your soul the sole of your foot touches, I'm going to give it to you. Somebody say amen. Then verse 5 says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will also be with you. That's the promise of God. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. Say that. I, God will not leave me. And he will not forsake me. But then he said, be strong. Be tough spiritually and courageous. For to this people you shall divide. As an inheritance, the land which I have sworn to their fathers to give to them. Now watch this. What makes being strong and courageous so important? Your personal blessings are tied to your spiritual toughness. You're being strong and courageous. You're per he said to Joshua, here is a personal blessing that is attached to your obedience. Wherever you put your feet, I'm going to give it to you. No one will be able to stand before you and be victorious. I promise you that. Just like I was with, those were personal promises. So if you lack spiritual toughness, what you are doing is forfeiting your personal blessing. When you compromise the standards of God, your personal blessings are at stake. But then here's the, the national blessings were tied into Joshua's personal obedience. He said, you and this people will cross the Jordan. But if Joshua hadn't been obedient, they would not have crossed the Jordan. So your life in obedience to God through spiritual toughness will impact the nations. But it gets deeper than that. Your obedience, your spiritual toughness to be strong and courageous also will impact generational your generational offspring. There's generational implications to you obeying to arise and go and put your past in the past and, and change. If you don't do that, generations, that, that baby that has not been born will be cursed because you didn't obey. That family that has had a generational curse on them, the curse will continue because you weren't obedient. Watch, watch this. Watch what God says. Uh, uh, and this is in Genesis chapter 18. And God speaking through the, through the angel of the Lord to Abraham. And we are the descendants. We are the seeds of Abraham. Here's what the Lord says. For I have chosen him. That's uh, Abraham's assignment. 
Just like God chose Abraham, he has also chosen us before the foundation of the world. You have an assignment from God. Somebody say amen. So that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the ways of the Lord. So he says, if Abraham has an assignment, and his assignment is that he obeys me, and his obedience will affect his children's children. And he said, then he goes, and I will bring to pass every promise to you, Abraham, if you obey your assignment. And so your children and your children's children, the ones that have yet to be born, are going to be impacted by your decision to have some spiritual toughness. I have given you an assignment for your children's children to be blessed through your obedience. It matters what you do now. It matters if you fall into the trick and the deception of Satan because he is not just coming after you. He's coming after your seed. He's coming after generations. He's coming after everything that God has destined for you. Somebody say amen. How does the enemy hinder us from experiencing our future blessings? personally, generationally, nationally, the lack of knowledge. God says, my people perish for what? What? We don't know the word. You don't know what your assignment is. So you sit in church every Sunday, have no clue about your spiritual gifts, no clue about your purpose and what God, you cannot realize your destiny if you don't know your gifts and the call of God on your life will be aligned with your gifts. And so when you sit here and you're not getting anything, you feel miserable, the question is, do you know your assignment? Jesus said, I must work the works of him who sent me. I must complete the assignment because God sent me because the night is coming. There's going to come a time when the curtain in your life will be drawn. It'll be too late. And so we don't want to sit here every Sunday because of lack of knowledge. I don't know what my call is. I don't know what my assignment is. You need to get that clear. Here's another reason why we don't realize our future blessings is a spirit of laziness. We just putting it off. We just chilling. It gonna happen. It don't just happen. The Bible said faith without works is what? It's dead. You can't just wish yourself into your destiny. Spirit of laziness. Here's another reason we love the world more than we love the Lord. We got one foot in the church and the other foot in the world. We spend more time on the internet, more time being taught by Google and all of these podcasters that have nothing to do with the Lord than what we are hearing from God. We don't know the thoughts of God. We don't know the ways of God because you love the world more than you love the Lord. And here's the big one. Low self-esteem. We don't feel right about ourselves. We're looking at everybody else. We're not the eye. We're not the, we're not the hands. And so we, we like, if, if I can't be the ear, I can't be the eyes, then what important? We devalue the call of God on our life. We devalue what God has said about us. And so what the devil will do is use your feelings, use your emotions to wreck your life. You're living by your feelings. And your feelings are, 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 are tainted because you see yourself from the eyes of the flesh, not from how God has said. God says, you are fearfully, you are wonderfully made. I didn't make a mistake. How do you feel about yourself? The Bible says the first and greatest commandment is to love God with, with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. And the second is as unto the first. You've got to love yourself in, lo- in order to love your neighbor. How do you feel about who God made you? How do you feel about what you look at when you look in the mirror? Do you see a piece from the master, or do you see what the world says you are? We need to toughen up. We're going to stop right there. Stand with me. We need to toughen up spiritually to put the past in the past. That means you got to deal with your pain, the stuff that hurts you, the things that people said you can't do, you'll never be able to do. You're too this, you're too that, you're dumb, you're dark, you're you're skinny, you're you're fat, you're whatever they have said, and you believe the lie. 
You got to be willing to change. You need to get behind, have some Joshua's in your life so you can arise and cross over those Jordans, those things that have stood in your way, those things that have discouraged you, those things that have said you can't be better. You'll be just like the rest of your family. You need to recognize that change is not evil. It's from God. He uses your pain to push you forward. You need to understand that your blessings generationally and personally and nationally are attached to your obedience. One of the greatest stories in the Bible is about a young man, age 17, whose name was Joseph. His father put him in a bad situation because the scripture says that his father, Jacob, loved him more than he loved all of his other sons. He had 11 other sons, but he had a favorite son. And he made for him a multicolored coat. That coat might as well have been a target because it made his brothers hate him even more. You know the story. They beat Joseph, threw him in a pit, stripped him of all of his clothes. And the only thing that kept them from killing him was his, the bro, Reuben who said, don't shed our brother's blood. They, they decided, we'll get some money out of this. They sold him into slavery. I want you to know if anybody had a right to be traumatized by their past and hateful and unforgiving and walk away from God, it was Joseph. He was sold into slavery while working as a slave, the wife of his boss got eyes for him, and she wanted to have sex with him. And because he refused, she accused him of rape. I don't believe her husband believed it, because if he did, he would have had him killed. Instead, he had him incarcerated. And so Joseph is now in prison for at least five to seven, about seven years for a crime he did not commit. Finally, the story, Joseph is out of jail. He's second in charge. He's in Egypt. And his brothers who threw him in the pit, who sold him into slavery, who hated his guts, they're standing in front of him. He was in a position to destroy them. They didn't even recognize him. He recognized them. They looked like what they had been through. When you don't do people right, you're going to look like it. But Joseph was able to respond because he had developed through all that he went through spiritual toughness. He said, what you intended for evil, God meant it for good. If I had given in, if I had become bitter, if I had walked away from God, I wouldn't be in the place where I am now able to save a nation. Generations are blessed because I had spiritual toughness. And he wasn't patting himself on the back. He simply was walking in obedience to God. I want you to know, if you walk in toughness, you will be blessing your family. You walk in spiritual toughness. God will save a generation. Curses will be broken. Lives will be set free if you simply walk with a backbone for Jesus. It's time to break family curses. It's time to stop quitting and giving up every time we don't get our way. It's time to stop being controlled by our feelings. Oh, God, I surrender all to you. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I will arise. I will lead my family across this Jordan. I will realize every promise. I'm going to claim it. I'm going to walk in spiritual victory as I go through the fire. In Jesus' name. Father God, we love you. Somebody say, I love you, Jesus.